Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Good morning, church. It's so good to be here today. Um, I'm going to ask you to bear with me. This is my sixth time speaking in three days, and so my voice might go a little bit, but I am nonetheless on fire uh, for this message that we have today. Uh, As Pastor said, I am from Minneapolis. I've been living there for like nine weeks. Uh, I just moved there from North Dakota, actually, the Bison State, where all the oil is. So I, uh, that's right. And so uh, I just moved there. I've been living there for nine weeks. Uh, for um, nine weeks, and I've been in this state of transition in my life, uh, where I was, where I love to be. In North Dakota, we had uh, more than just covered wagons, man. We had automobiles and everything else, at Starbucks too, and we, uh, and we just, uh, we just had everything the way we wanted it, ministry-wise, and how many of you know that when you have everything the way you want it, you don't want anybody to mess up your stuff, and also, how many of you know that God likes to mess up your stuff sometimes, and so, I was getting very comfortable in uh, my ministry position there. We started uh, in year one. We had 30 students. I started doing altar calls. It went from 30 to 15 because <laughs> nobody wanted to go to altar. And then uh, by the time we left nine weeks ago, we were running around 700 students in our youth ministry uh, on a Wednesday night. And uh, to be honest with you, um, I didn't want to go. God said, Terry, it's time for you to step out. It's time for you to be in transition. It's time for you to move. Uh, we want, I want you to move to Minneapolis and be a lead stu- youth pastor over all the— River Valley Church has six domestic churches, and so there's six youth pastors, six youth ministries. He said, I want you to go ahead and grow them. And I said, no, I'm not going. And so God told me again, I said, no, I'm not going. And uh, over the period of about a minute, God just started to convict my heart. And I just started to hear God's voice and realizing that God was starting to stir in my heart that I was supposed to make a transition, that I was supposed to step out. And see, as we're in this do-it-yourself series uh, as a church, one of the biggest things is I want to talk to guys today. Now, ladies, you're going to be able to get in on this too because the Word of God applies to everybody. But some of you guys, when we have stuff the way we want it, we don't want it messed up. We don't want anybody to tell us how to change it or move it when we got a career in place, when we have our calling in place, when we've finally chosen our major after four times in place. We know exactly what we're going to do with our life. We don't want it to change. And during this time, I began to pray, and I said, all right, God, I'm going to go through this time of transition. I just want my walk with you to be protected. I don't want my walk with you to go south. I don't want it to go sour. I don't want it to be bad. I don't want it to be wrong. God, I want my walk with you to be good. And he said, okay, Terry, then walk like a man and stop complaining. I was like, oh, God spanked me. You know, so was, and so uh, he's like, walk like a man. Stop complaining. Complaining is the language of the disempowered. Don't be disempowered. And so I, uh, I, I started, okay, God. And so that's where this message is honestly birthed out of. It's, it's still fresh in my heart, and I'm so excited that I get to preach it here at C2 Church for the very first time. Um, it's, it's something near and dear to my heart because it's still something that I'm walking through in terms of transition. But you see, when we walk the way God wants us to walk through transition, it means that many times we're going to go to a completely new destination in our lives a place where no one has been before, a place not on the map. It's a place uncharted in our life. And you have to understand that every time you say, okay, God, I'm going to go with you to this next step in my life. I'm going to make this decision financially. I'm going to lead my family to this place. When we make this decision, we understand that there's new waters and new risks, but with those new risks come new storms in our life and new dangers and new tests and new trials. And here's the thing that I want to keep from doing. I don't want to live with my, my life with my boat still tied to the dock. I don't, want to, I don't want to. I don't want to try to look out into the wild blue and say, okay, that's what God's called me to. And I'll just vicariously live it here from shore. 
When God has called us to sail into the uncharted, uncharted, guys, many of you are in a place to where you're leading your family, uh, your companies, um, your own decisions to those places. And how many of you know you can't lead people places that you've never been? If I don't go there in God, then I can't lead other people to that place in God. No matter if I'm in a position in leadership, no matter if there's pastor in front of my name, no matter if people are like, we're following you, if I have never been there, I can't lead people there. And many times, if you are leading, guys, and you're in this place to where you are called to step out and step up and swing the bat for the first time and everybody is watching you, you have to know that before you get there, you have to allow God to lead you there first. And that's something in my heart that's always been there. Because while I want my ministry to grow, understand that my ministry has never grown to a place that I have never been. My family has never grown to a place that I have never been. If I want to see my family change, then change has to start with Terry. And I don't care how many people in here say they love change. I love change. I hate change. And you do too. You know it. Okay? It's one of those things that it's like, oh, I love change as long as it doesn't happen to my stuff. As long as my Netflix account doesn't get canceled or anything like that. We love change as long as it doesn't happen to us. And as we move forward, we have to understand we are called to stay in the harbor. One of my favorite quotes is, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. And that's not what you're built for. When God created us, he created us with his DNA to discover, to strike out, to go ahead and do great things in his name. And I can't do that standing on the shore because eventually I'm going to see people who I was leading start leading me in stepping out. And I want to be the person to step out first. I do. That's my nature. That's my DNA. And for all of us guys, we have that DNA. We love it when God calls us to do something adventurous, when he calls us to strike out, when you watch Gladiator or Braveheart and you're like, find me a sword. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Find me a sword or a hedge trimmer. You know, I'm going to go do something productive right now. When we're in that place, we have to capitalize on that. And today, I hope this stirs up in a lot of you guys that ability to just, okay, God, because because so, sometimes we wake up in the morning, and the last thing we want to do is grab a sword. We want to grab a coffee cup because the guy in the mirror does not look like that warrior about to take the world, all right? You're not that gallant stallion that, you're, that your woman is just looking at. Mm-hmm. No, you're not that. <laughs> it's not happening. Thank you so much for laughing at my jokes. I love it. Um, and so because of this, we got to walk like a man. we got to step out. we got to say, all right, God, what walking like a man looks like is not me manning up or being macho or being tough or exuding a false image of courage. But walking like a man means walking in obedience. Even when the storms are rough and your ship is falling apart, which leads me to our story today. It's found in Matthew 14. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 14. It's in uh, verse 22 is where we'll be starting. And as I'm walking through this and God says, Terry, walk like a man, he brings me to the story. And he starts to draw parallels to my life. And for all of us, no matter where we're at in life, this will revisit us. There's teachings in the word of God that revisit us over and over, and this is one of them. In Matthew 14, starting in verse 22, it says, Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. And afterwards, he went up to the hill by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, saying, It's all right, he said. I am here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter goes over the side of the boat, 
and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And instantly Jesus reaches out his hand, and he grabs him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? You see, no matter how bold we think we are as men, no matter how brave or how courageous we think we are as individuals, our reality is more often than not a red light when God asks us to step in an unknown. And we don't move a whole lot, and we don't move forward. We like to stay where we're at. We like to be those people that sail into the unknown, but once we get to the unknown and a storm comes up, So many doubts come in our head. I knew I shouldn't have sailed into this. I knew I shouldn't have made that decision. You have people doing that for you. How many of you know sometimes the voice of the haters are are louder than the voice of doubt in your life? And they only feed that voice of doubt in your life. When you say, oh, man, I made this decision. Everybody watching me made this decision. And now bad things are happening. And people are saying, I told you so. And we slow down our boat and we wait. See, the Bible says this. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him, they screamed, frozen in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Fear will freeze us. It will become our excuse to, not to obey God. We, go, we sit there and we say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to move in me. I want you to use me to change the world. And he says, okay, go. And you're like, you mean right now? How about I pray about it, God? That's spiritual enough, right? And so we sit there because fear immobilizes us. How many of you know the Bible says that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind? Oh, I said amen, too, until this happened. When we adopted our daughter from China, my wife and I adopted uh, our little girl, Avalie, from China uh, two years ago. And Avalie has a cleft palate. That means her lip was split, her gums were split, the roof of her mouth was split, and she has since had surgery, and she's all good and everything now. But when when we got her in our arms, She was 17 months old and 11 pounds. Incredibly neglected. Abandoned, poor care in the orphanage. Uh, The stink ran so deep it took us two weeks of baths to get it out. Um, She didn't have a teddy bear in her crib or a toy. So her teddy bear, her security blanket was her hand. And she would hold her hand so close to her face that she went cross-eyed. And then the doctors were saying things like cystic fibrosis, mental deficiencies, not going to be the same, not going to walk. She wouldn't make eye contact. She would thrash back and forth, lift her back up, arch it, and slam it into the bed. Every time we'd pick her up, she'd arch against us, and we'd have to lay her down, and she'd start crying. And so I started praying these prayers. And I said, God, God, why? You laid on our heart to adopt. You laid on our heart to go into this girl's life and reach her. And now she's like this. We've never been parents before. We don't know what to do. They don't write books about this. They write books about how adopted kids need to be cared for different from biological kids. But now they're saying my kid is the exception from both. God, why is this happening? Why is this so wrong? And one night I'm praying this prayer, and my wife is sleeping and my daughter's sleeping. And I start praying. I'm like, God, why is this happening? And God speaks to me. He's like, Terry, shut up. Second spanking. Terry, shut up. And I got offended at God. I was like, what do you mean, shut up? <clears throat> He's like, shut your mouth and listen. He said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And when you pray out of a spirit of fear, it's a spirit I don't recognize because I didn't put it in you. And I was like, God, but. He's like, no buts. He's like, I want you to change your prayer. Pray the same prayer, but out of power, love, and a sound mind. 
And so in the next two hours, I started praying. And I, my wife was asleep. My daughter was out. I was just going after God. I said, God, I thank you for this little girl that you placed in my life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill this room right now. I pray that you fill my daughter. I thank you for the healing that's going to be in her life. I thank you that she has a calling on her life. I don't want to forget about her purpose. I thank you, God, that you have put in my wife the ability to be a mother to a child like this. And I started giving God praise and thanking him. And I fell asleep praying. And I woke up. Yeah, yeah, I woke up. Wait, wait, wait. And I, was, I woke up to my wife crying. And I, I wasn't unusual because she was so upset about this. And I look over at her. And she's like, Terry, come here. And she's holding my daughter. My daughter's not arching against her. And I look at my daughter. And she's not holding her hand in front of her face. And her eyes are straight. And she reaches up and touches my faith, face and laughs for the first time. And she was healed. Now you can clap. You see, guys, the devil doesn't, want to, doesn't have to make you sin. He doesn't have to make you an addict. He doesn't have to tear apart your family or crush your morals. He just has to make you choose your fears over God's love to render you ineffective. He doesn't have to try so hard to get you addicted to something you've never been addicted to. He just needs you to choose fear and ru- so that your life runs contrary to the DNA that God instilled inside of you. When I pray out of a spirit of fear, it's a spirit spirit he doesn't recognize. And does God answer prayers when you pray out of fear? Yeah, he does. But I wonder how many prayers hit hit the floorboards of heaven never making it because they're out of fear. But when I switch my mind and my perspective, I start looking at God's promises more than I look at my circumstances. And I say, God, I am ready for you to use me, and I'm ready to step out into this. And then I start leading as that man that he created me to be. And I get that. I get that because I don't want that fear in my life. And if we're going to derail our fears, we have to understand that your purpose lays on the other side of your fears. Your purpose lays on the other side of your fears. God will never accommodate your purpose by placing it in the same room as your fears are. He's going to put it in the next floor above, so you got to get breakthrough to get it. And then when we get into our life, that breakthrough is often found by circumstances that hurt, circumstances that we struggle against, circumstances that we hit our head on the ceiling of them and we just go back into the room of our fears. And we say, God, give me your purpose. He says, I did. It's one floor up. Get your breakthrough. And when you pray prayers of power, love, and a sound mind, that breakthrough begins to happen. The Bible says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I am here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. I know we get tired of staying stationary. And we get tired of our fear keeping us where we are. So more often than not, we're like, okay, I'm going to break out of my fear. I'm going to ask God for something. But we ask him for something so incredibly possible. And how many of you know that God is a God who specializes in the impossible? You know what I mean? Like God says, pray over somebody for healing. So I'm going to find somebody that might have a headache and try to convince them that they don't. You know what I mean? It's like... Thank you. For, yes, I meant, that was a joke. But I'll go to try. <clears throat> Don't put that joke in here. Um, but I'll go find something that's very possible. If Peter would have asked Jesus for the possible, he would have said, Jesus, if it's really you, come join us in the boat. Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to slap Judas. I can do that. I can just, there you go. It is you, Jesus. No, he didn't do that. <clears throat> What he did is he asked him for the impossible. Here's the thing. God will never entertain your lack of faith by joining you in it. He will call you out of your circumstance to get you into the middle of what he wants you to. Peter asked God for the impossible knowing that a positive answer from Jesus saying, come towards me, would mean that he would have to do something completely crazy, something insane, something obedient, something God. 
When God asked me to leave and take that step, you're like, yeah, Terry, you just moved from one city to another city. But the reality is my daughter had free therapy for everything that she was working through. My wife's family was in that town. We had a ministry exactly the way we wanted it, and I had no idea what this was going to look like when I made my transition. I had no idea if, I was the, if the money I made was going to be enough. I, I tried my best to figure it out, but you never know. I had no idea what kind of therapy my daughter would get or how this church would be. And yet I heard God's voice, and I said, God, my job isn't to be brave or courageous. It's to be obedient. And I can't be obedient tomorrow because delayed obedience is disobedience. Terry, I want you to spend an hour with me now. If I spend an hour with him tomorrow, I was disobedient today. And I want to be this individual that's obedient to God right away. That's what it is to walk like a man. It's not to walk in that courage and bravery. That comes after you step on the water and you realize you're on it. The faith part of it, the obedience part of it, is what God really watches. You see, half the battle in hearing the voice of God is to always be on the move when he calls you to go. The Bible in Matthew 14 says this, All right, come on, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the high waves, he was scared and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And instantly, Jesus reaches out his hand and he grabs him. Peter asked the impossible. Jesus expected it. And the game was changed. Peter knew at that time that the will of God was rarely ever found in the possible. He knew that the will of God was found in stepping out and going to the next place. And now this, understand that Peter knew that there was no previous frame of reference for where he was going. You see, in the scriptures, well, he had saw Jesus raise people from the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. In the scriptures, there had even been water splitting and people walking through on dry ground, but the book had not yet been written on how to walk on water. Jesus was calling him to go somewhere where nobody else has ever been before. He was calling him to take that step. And church, if you are going to go places, if you're going to say, God, use me, take me new places, you can't compare yourself to other churches. You can't compare yourself to other people. Guys, you can't compare yourself to other men because others have never been where you're about to go. You're about to write the book on it. And in the last service, God spoke to my heart on this, and I gave a word, and I want to give that same word to you now. This church, this church is going places that other churches have never been. From the moment I walked into this church, uh, for youth convention, God started speaking to my heart. And all he said at the beginning was, this is special. This is special. Keep listening, Terry. This is special. And as I sat here and as I was li- in the services and then I was in church this morning and I was going through the message in the first service, God spoke that this church is going places that it has never gone before. And it will be scary. And they don't write books on where the church is going. And it's gonna d- And it's going to be important and imperative for the people to go places they have never been either in their own individual lives. But when it happens, when it happens, it's going to eclipse every season that this church has ever walked through. And I truly believe that. And if I could just deviate and say that, I wanted to say that to you. And so when God speaks to you, don't be so surprised when he asks you to go other places where you can't find a book written about where you're going. Because sometimes God wants you to author that story. Sometimes God wants you to write that book. And the reality is for Peter is this. Peter wasn't called to walk on water. He was just called to know how to get out of a boat. And I think, no, I know, that when every success that we see in our life, every success we see in our family like I did with my daughter, every success that we see in ministry, it has nothing to do with our ability to walk on water, to wrap our head around the properties of water or the laws of physics or why it shouldn't happen or having enough faith before you step out. I don't know have to know how to walk on water. I just have to be good at getting out of the boat every time Jesus asks me to. 
He takes care of the water walking. I will create a great event for our church, dump thousands of dollars into it. And then I'll look at my wife and be like, baby, nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to show up. People are going to get unsaved. Nobody's going nobody's to reach this. I'm going to just write my resignation. I'm going to turn it in now. And then I'll turn to my leaders and I'll be like, leaders, this is going to be an amazing event. Everybody's going to show up. Everybody's going to get saved. I turn them off and I'm like, baby, it ain't going to happen. And so I look at myself in that situ- situation and I say, I got to get out of the boat. And so I do the event. I'm obedient to what God calls me to. I'm standing in the boat. I see the water. I see the storm. I see Jesus on it. And I'd rather be where he is than where I am. And so I take a step. And I get out of the boat. And I would rather sink attempting greatness than falling or hiding in the bottom of a boat that's falling apart. And for many of you, your boat is your security. It might be your fears. It might be your hope. It might be your dreams. It might be anything. But it's something that Jesus is calling you out of into something greater. And the comfort of your boat, even though it's falling apart in the middle of a storm, cannot supersede the draw of your Savior who's walking on the top of it. So many of us want the storms of our lives calmed. I'm cool if it's not calmed. I just want to walk on top of it and get over it. And Jesus helps us to get over it when we do that. The moment Peter's foot touched the water, he began to walk. Everything became possible for the believer. And even though fear crept up in Peter's heart, Jesus was there. You see, he walked on the water. He saw the crashing waves. He saw the 20-foot swells. He saw that he was on top of it, and he began to doubt. And he began to sink down into the waves. And the Bible says immediately Jesus was right there. Immediately he had his arm. One of our biggest fears is that if we step out on water and we sink, that Jesus is going to make us tread water. Jesus didn't splash up next to him and say, come on, keep treading. That'll teach you to doubt. No, he didn't do that. He didn't go up to him and pick him up out of the water and drag him skipping across the water. Why did you not listen to me? Get in that boat. He didn't do that. He's like "Ah, flopping on water. He didn't do it. What he did was immediately he was there. Boom. And he didn't pick him up and back off. He picked him up, linked arms with him, and walked with him back. Jesus will walk with you the rest of the way through your storm if you have the obedience to get out of your boat. And gentlemen, guys, today, if you're not there now, you're probably going to be there tomorrow or next week. Where God is giving you the opportunity to step out of a boat. He's asking you to walk towards him. And all you see are waves and Jesus on the storm. And many times we try to manipulate the conditions. Jesus, I'll wait for there to be a lull in the storm before I step out. But the conditions that Jesus calls you out in are perfect conditions in his eyes. Because it's those conditions that are going to make you strong enough to walk through the next test that comes after it. And everybody's watching you. Because our lives in Christ doesn't, don't stop with us. Our lives in Christ give other people permission to live theirs the same. How are you telling other people to live? Are you telling them to play it safe, to be in the boat? Or are you telling them to get out of the boat, step on the water, and trust Jesus with the rest? All across this room, I want us to bow our heads. Right now, you're in this boat. Everybody in this room, man, woman, child alike. You're in this boat. And this boat in your life represents so many things, and I want you to define your boat for me. With every eye closed, define your boat. What is in your boat? Is it fear? Is it fear of the unknown? Is it insecurity? Is it addiction? Is it pride? Maybe it's your hopes and dreams and everything that you aspire to be. 
I want you to fill your boat and I want you to call that boat by its name. Because when you stand up and respond as we sing this song, you can't go back to that boat. You have to go to Jesus. You have to leave all you know and have until God is all you know and have. And if I'm not willing to abandon all for him, it's not really worship, it's just a show. For many of you, you walked in here in a boat, but you'll leave walking on water. And it just begins as a decision today. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we have the opportunity and the chance, God, to be able to come to you and to be able to hear your word and and see it become real to us. Lord, you've been talking to so many people, and 20 years ago, you could have asked them, get out of your boat. And today, they're still trying to plug holes and make sure their boat doesn't sink. God, it doesn't matter our storm. It doesn't matter our abilities. It doesn't matter if there's better people who would be better suited. If you're on our storm calling us out, then we need to be obedient. Lord, to walk like a man and let obedience go before us before being strong or macho or or courageous or brave. You make us brave once we're on the water, not before. So Holy Spirit, whether it's a relationship that we need to leave in the boat and trust in your hands, whether it's a life decision, whether it's the finances or our vocation, Lord, you're calling us now, not tomorrow. We're not going to do this tonight as we lay in bed because delayed obedience is disobedience. We're doing it today. So Holy Spirit, as we sing and as people stand to their feet and abandon their boat, there's prayer partners up front. And I pray, God, if if anybody in this room needs prayer, that they find somebody to stand with them. For those who are good that are going to sing this song, let everything we just poured into their heart firm up into a solid foundation so they never hide in the bottom of a boat again. Jesus, for those of us who need you, that need to know the creator on the waves before we step out on the waves, I pray that you forgive us our sins everything that's been holding us back, everything that's been making us a shadow of what you created us to be. Jesus, I pray in your name that you forgive us that sin. We see you on that cross and we throw our sin on that cross with you. We thank you, Jesus, that you contained it, that you died with it in you, that you were buried with it, but you left it in the grave as you rose three days later. And we link arms with you in that eternal life. Give us what it takes to step out on that water as we stand and worship. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.